You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 287 of East Central Indian's Favorite Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here, joined by executive video audio engineer, and sometimes he presses the buttons on time, Mr. Zach Bertram. I caught it this time. You caught, well, you, you caught it in time to admit your mistake, but it's very minor, so we'll let it go. Our, uh, our special co-host slash guest today is going to be Bash Kreider. He is here. He is on camera. He is uh, observing Drive January. We're going to talk about breweries, uh, so that he's uh, he's not cracking, folks. He's he's going to stick through it. He's got uh, what? How many more days? I'm not observing dry January, so I don't know how many more how many more hours do you have left in yeah, this adventure? That's a, that's a good question. I should have calculated that. I mean, it's probably I, what six days. So six times twenty four. Uh, Forty eight, <laughs> and about about one hundred and twenty hours to go. That was some fast math. Some of us sell stuff uh, and have to use numbers real quick. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time anybody's ever complimented my math skills. <laughs> you know he is an attorney, so he's good at lying. Yeah. Uh, this show is going to be all about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you'll always learn something new. Somebody will probably check my math and let me know it was nowhere close. But damn it, we got to an answer quickly, and that's what's important. Uh, we just did... 15 solid minutes for you on Patreon, but when you actually get that file, it's going to show more like 28 minutes. And that's that's a that's a promise from the, the Boss Hog team here that we will over-deliver. Uh, if you join the Patreon every single week, you get, uh, if you're up to like 50 bucks a month or more, get your name dropped at the top of every episode. You got something to promote, we'll promote you. If you've got, uh, you know, if you don't have something to promote and you just want to hear your name, that's fine. We'll do that too. And we genuinely do appreciate the, the folks that make this happen. Uh, it's the reason why we're able to be here every week. It's the reason on a 27 degree snowy day that, uh, that it's actually toasty in here or somewhat toasty in here. It was about 65 when I walked in the door. Not too bad. Uh, so we say thank you to Christy Avery up there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, Jonathan Phillips, Phillips of Andy Moore Buick GMC and Jonathan Phillips for mayor. He's been trying to order a truck for me since October. I think we maybe are making progress. Don't know. GM has been uh, acting like there's some sort of a supply chain crisis, but John's doing his best. And Anthony Meyer has been delivering uh, parts for the automotive industry, I hope, uh, all over the country as a uh, as a truck driver, uh, making making things come true. Zach, are you okay over there? You're yeah. chuckling. I don't know if you're laughing at me, laughing at the chat. I'm always yeah. nervous. No, no, I was laughing at the 
thought of you guys. You, go, you need to go send Anthony Meyer to all the suppliers and have him pick up. And he just shows up in a truck with your truck in back in the back of it, but in parts and just drops it off the assembly <laughs> plant and says, I need you to put this together because he's, he, he needs my help. One piece at a time. He's getting everything that's on constraint, everything that's keeping them from building my beautiful unicorn GMC but, 1500 tow machine. But if Anthony Meyer delivered it, every panel would have a hidden meme somewhere <laughs> on the panel. And on the back side of it, it would be engraved <laughs> with, the, with <laughs> Salt Bay. Just thousands of memes all over your vehicle. be very, very troubling. Uh, there is merchandise available, but we are doing it in-house now. This is where Dakota normally says, send him an email, tell him what kind of merch you want, and he will put his wonderful bride to work doing it. So if you have merch requests... For the Boss Hog Show, you want to show us off, Dakota at BossHogOfLiberty.com. Drop an email, let him know what you want, and uh, he'll see to it that something happens. All right, I've talked too much. Bash Kreider, you are back. I think you were here with us in October of last year. Uh, that Halloween timeline, right. somewhere in there. Yeah. Some, something like that. It's been it's been four or five months. The uh, you, you came back to us and said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. It was Cinco de Mayo. Was it Cinco? Oh my God! So, it was May. Yeah, it was a while before that. Oh, I thought it was Halloween. It was. It was the the other Mexican Halloween or Mexican holiday. Exactly. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Was it really Cinco de Mayo? It was. My God, where did last year go, Zach? Yeah, <laughs> there's there there are two time frames now. There used to be like BC before Christ, now it's before COVID and after COVID, and everything <laughs> after COVID is just a foggy blur. It's I still you know part of your part of my brain still in like March of 2020 kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> so true. I so yeah, I wouldn't have thought it was that long. So the events of Cinco de Mayo are why uh, our friend Bash is doing Dry January. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, you know, seriously thinking, like, how much smarter would it be to, like, do whatever your dry holiday and have a holiday, like, on the first? Yeah. Like, but it would have to be, like, a goofy holiday, like, Groundhog Day or something like that, where it's just a fog. You don't know what day it is because it's, like. I think it's called New Year's Day. Yeah, but people don't, like, no, because people are drinking all through. The, I mean, New Year's Day is the end of like a 10-day period where nobody knows what day it is. It's also like you got meat sweats because you've probably been eating like summer sausage for four days. <laughs> you've lost track of everything you lost track. Done. Yeah, there's, there's no time between Christmas and New Year's. It's just a blur. I'm yes. still not out of that yet. I still don't know what day it is. <laughs> you just worked your first five-day five weeks. I'm October. not quite. I'm 80% of the way done. But yeah, I think I worked my... Well, are you planning on showing up tomorrow? Well, yeah, I don't... I, you're an American. We claim success and victory well I'm before gonna, we earn I'm it. going to walk upstairs tomorrow and, <laughs> and log into my work. And, do, and do your part. Yeah. But I've worked. This will be my first or second five-day week since Thanksgiving, I think. So our goal today is that we're going to talk to Bash. We're going to pick up where we left off on the Cinco de Mayo talk. And we're going to do a little cryptocurrency update because he has been our Henry County crypto expert because... Chris Galt moved to uh, moved to Michigan for for the Magenta team, uh, and then we're going to talk the meat the 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 cream filling in this show today is going to be the Indiana brewery our struggling story because a uh, local landmark is closed, uh, and then there's a story that kind of originated from here in Henry County uh, that's making national news. So that's that's the that's the itinerary. We'll see how far we go. We'll see what happens. We'll see if there's any filler, and we'll see if anything has to uh, has to disappear. Danny Morrill is in the chat and he says he still owes Bash honey. I don't know. Do you know? Do you think he owes you money or honey? 
Uh, I hope it's money. <laughs> but honey would also work. Honey, honey is also well, acceptable. Awesome. With that coming from Danny, there's like a half a dozen <laughs> possibilities of what that could mean. Absolutely. <laughs> that that has Very, me wondering if that's one of the stories that led to die January two. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All um, right, let's. We're gonna try. There are five key takeaways that you wanted to give us on estate planning for the younger generation. Now, Zach doesn't have to worry about this because he's already crossed over 40, but you and I are still... We still have a chance. still under 40 years old. Still have a chance so to this, avoid these dangers. This is key, important information Yeah, for some of for, for those of us that are under 40. We're going to speed run them. I wrote them down right. this time so that, right. so that I'd remember. Got my paper and pencil, and uh, if you're driving, I, I you have... Well, obviously, this is a recorded show, so you can press pause and grab your paper and pencil when you get to a place, and you can listen to it twice. That's but true. I, I'm sure it's going to be worth every penny or ounce of honey that we're paying Bash. <laughs> you have the stage. I sure hope so. Okay, for one thing, family is becoming a more diversified thing uh, in a lot of ways. Lots of people now get married with prior kids. Lots of people don't ever get married, whether they have kids or not. And lots of people get married without ever intending to have kids and ultimately don't. Uh, each one of those is a unique situation. Things used to be, I don't know if you want to say one size fits all, uh, with the will, or if it was more like all just kind of stuffed themselves into one size, depending who you ask, but things were a lot simpler. Uh, you got married and you know, you pass away. It doesn't matter what your will says because your spouse is still, it's still their kids too. Right. No longer the case. Uh, and that just means, you know, the more complicated the situation, the more planning you have to do. Similarly, uh, if you're not going to have kids, I, uh, I will remind everybody that Bash is not just some random guy. He is an estate planning attorney. I did not. I failed to tell people this as as we started the show. Right. So this is this is coming from us. I'm a just some guy I, of expertise. It's Wikipedia that I've got. on. <laughs> Look this up on LegalZoom. Uh, yeah, this is this is straight off of LegalZoom. <laughs> All right. So step one uh, or th- first thing of five to consider yep. is that if you have a family, it can be complicated. So don't go to LegalZoom. Exactly. Okay. You need to talk to it. Basically, what these are, these are all just reasons why you really need to talk to an attorney. Yeah. Don't, yeah, I would say don't assume that your family is going to follow through your wishes. If you want your wishes done, then get an attorney to put it down on paper. Exactly. Yep. Uh, okay. Number two, diversified options. Like I said, it used to be the will was the only thing you could do. So it really was one size fits all. And, and that was just kind of that. So, you know, if LegalZoom had been a thing back then, well, yeah, we're, we're all getting wills and that's it. Uh, since then we've, you know, then we developed trusts and then it was still kind of simple. Cause it was like, if you have more money, get a trust. If you have less money, get a will. Well, now we also have transfer on death deeds. We also have payable on death accounts. You can now, uh, TOD your businesses and your vehicles. And what that means is think, think of them like knives in a knife set. Every single one of these is a powerful tool that will do real stuff and it will absolutely slice your hand open if you do not know what you're doing. Or, well, not you, your kids. I, I mean, I guess you can Thank, feel... Thankfully, yeah. you're dead in this story. Yeah, feel free to screw it up. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so uh, more options, more things that you need to consider, or more importantly, just more reasons to get good guidance. I guess you could just go to law school, but th- there's people who you can pay shockingly reasonable sums to just walk you through that process. Um, okay. Next issue is money is increasingly sparse. Uh, as I, 
I don't remember what exactly the statistics are, but as the younger generations are having less money and less opportunity, that means more problems because it it is so expensive to fix these things. You set something up wrong. You TOD a property to... There are so many ways that you can just accidentally end up landing your house in, in like the control of like two adults and five kids. Okay. You do a TOD wrong or one of these other documents wrong. Say, say you set something up when you're 40 years old yep. and then your kids grow up and you had, you thought you were going to have one kid, but you didn't touch it. And now you've got four kids and one of them's a step kid. Yep. And then you said you left it to all of them and they don't get along 20 years down the road. Some of these things we can fix. Some of them we just simply can't. But some of these, like there are ways that you can actually just ruin everything. But there are ways that we can sometimes rescue a bad estate plan. But they're generally expensive. They take a lot of work. And if you don't have a lot of money, you really can't afford to, well, or rather your kids really can't afford for you to have screwed it up. You know, maybe... But again, I mean, if you've got plenty of money, you still don't want to waste it just undoing something. That you, you don't want to keep messing with something con- continuously. Exactly. All right. So uh, the the next one is there seems to be this kind of maelstrom of misinformation about estate planning. And I understand why. A lot of it is because we do have so many options now. I'll have people come in. Uh, usually what people expect that they need is not is not exactly what they need. So I'll have people who come in and they say, you know, I need a will. And it turns out they've got a special situation where we can do like a transfer on death deed. It's going to be cheaper than a will and it's going to save their kids from having to go to probate. And so instead of saying, hey, sweet, I fell into a, a special crack, they get on social media and they say, will's a scam. You do a will, they're, they're just, it's the lawyers trying to cheat you. You need a TOD deed. Well, then the next person who has six kids comes in and you, only a maniac would TOD a. a just, you're just legally dropping your kids into a cage match. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's <laughs> you're what you're doing. doing yeah. Just boom. The house belongs to all six of you. Good luck. Like, oh, someone's got judgments. Now the house does. <laughs> like, but, you know, th- then they come in. Now they already are kind of not trusting the attorneys because somebody already told them, like, hey, it's all scam. You Even though the attorney thing. is who directed them. Exactly. Yep. So that's that's one of the big ones. Like... <laughs> the, the challenge that some people would give you is that, hey, if you if you have me go with a will – now I have to go to the courthouse to, right. and have to pay money to get my money back out of this, right? Yep. That's the challenge that you hear from folks. That's that's a frequent challenge. you know. Or I'll have people who, who come in, well, like I, I guess I already gave the will example, or the trust example. They come in thinking that they need a trust, and again, maybe they fall into some crack where they can do some of the transfer on death deeds. It's The point is there is way too many options. Well, Bash, why wouldn't I just give it all to my kids now while I'm still living? That way I can I can look like I'm poor on paper, and when I go to the nursing home, I don't burn through all their money. Oh, that's that's another one that uh, that's another one that happens sometimes. And uh, you know, if if it works out for you, congratulations, that is wonderful. When you don't own your stuff, that's generally problematic. Like I've I've seen you know where someone will deed their house to you know, whatever to their son. Uh, 
in order to try to like dodge Medicaid. And then they don't go to a uh, nursing home. And why did they do that anyway? Or they decide instead of a nursing home, uh, I think it's time that I sell this house and move into an apartment. Son says, I don't think that's a great idea. And, and I own the house. So we're, we're not going to sell it. <laughs> it's not your house. Now we're, now we're fighting. Yeah. Or son calls him and says, Hey, uh, your, uh, I'm done daughter-in-law is divorcing me and she owns half your house and she wants you evicted. Or the son says, hey, well, we could dream all kinds of shit up, Zach. Oh, yeah. Or the oh, son yeah. says, you know what, Dad? You're done living in that house. I'm selling it, and you're going to a home. Yeah. Yeah, because the real yeah. estate market just went crazy. Right. And I'm moving to a condo in Boca Raton. Uh-huh. It, uh, how there- much? Just how much power do you want to give little Jackson, Zach? That's the question. None. None. <laughs> None. I have to hope I still had a camper to live in. <laughs> That's where I'd end up. What did you sell the house for, buddy? I wanted to buy Roblox skins or something. Like, it would just be for credits in a game. Yes. I bought candy canes and skins. So then the the last of the five is now we have all these these predatory uh, websites. Um, and that, I mean. Like realtor.com? <laughs> I mean, essentially. Zillow. Yeah, the, the lawyer version of it. Um, you know, legal zoom, uh, there's a couple of them now, rocket law, et cetera. These are not AI. Is that by the, uh, the rocket mortgage people? <laughs> it could be, rocket I mean, law, rocket mortgage. Uh, it, it, it certainly might be. Give them a minute. They'll try. Yeah. And, and essentially what they, what they try to present is this like, oh, it's simple. You know, you, you already know you were going to go in and tell your lawyer that you need a TOD deed anyway. You can download a TOD deed from us. It'll cost pretty similar to what the lawyer would charge. I need an attorney's view. I know, I know where you're you're still working on this, but no, I, I've had it. Now I'm worried. I just opened up a weed. My eyes are not good enough. I'm 39 years old. It says blueberry. It says wild Ohio. I think <laughs> is it is that a cannabis plant on the on there or is it just some sort of a blueberry plant? It says it's really brewed with tea. <sighs> Very difficult to know. How long until we start seeing hybrids? Can you like crossbreed cannabis plants with like fruit and just end up with like cannabis infused fruit? That's the next thing. There's some guy living in his mom's basement who's brewing that genetic mistake up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've gotten ahead of ourselves by by cracking that open. Oh, no. That's all right. So predatory websites. Yeah. So once again, it's you're saying... Stepping in to fill this R- void. Rather than paying that $200 to the website that you're not sure about, you've got, if you're in the listening area, yes, Bash can work with you. If you're in Indiana, yes, Bash can work with you. But find somebody find locally somebody, that you can speak with. Yeah, find someone who is either local to you or if you, I mean, what's kind of funny is is before the websites, I used to have you know the same kind of frustration where it was like, I charge half of what they're charging over in Indianapolis. You know, so, I mean, I guess if you are in a particularly wealthy area, you know, you might want to go find a, a pseudo local attorney, though, even then you're depending where you are, they may have a better idea of, you know, what your particular needs are. Um, but point being, see an actual attorney, not just that, see an attorney who does this kind of law, like don't hire me to do your custody case. I'm trained in that, but I don't do that. I don't do that repeatedly. I haven't seen, well, a long time ago I did, but not in years have I seen both ends of a custody case. Don't ask me to do that. It's not your core function any longer. Right. 
So go find, go find a local attorney, find someone who knows about estate planning, who has handled a few estates and, uh, yeah. And you'll be fine. The the rest of it is, this doesn't have to be a hard or expensive process. Most people are shocked at how easy it is. I, I did mine with bash last some somewhere between Cinco de Mayo and the end of last year. (laughs) (laughs) And after he was on the program with us, uh, and Sarah and I went in, I think we, we met for maybe, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, somewhere in there. Very simple, easy conversation, drew the paperwork up. And then we, we signed it a few, maybe a week later. Good to go. Pretty painless. Yeah. So who needs, who needs to have something in place? Um, I would say anyone with kids, uh, if you are older than 18, um, then it's a good idea to get, uh, your power of attorney and your healthcare appointment. But as far as like, when there is an actual need, I would say anybody with kids. And the reason being, uh, if you pass away while your children are young, what'll happen is all of your money goes into a guardianship and then it just dumps into your kids' laps when they turn 18. I don't know what kind of financial decisions you guys were making when you were 18, but if that's all you're ever going to get, uh, that's just generally not the best time to receive it. And, and we can protect your kids from that. We can set up, well, first of all, you can make a guardian recommendation so that it's not just whoever steps up. It's actually, you know, the people who you trust, who you, you know, whatever respect their parenting abilities, et cetera. Uh, and then you can create a trust that will pay out for your kids, health maintenance, welfare and support, education, things like that, you know, uh, give them half of their inheritance, you know, when they're 25 or so, I mean, you can choose the ages, but right. you see what I'm saying? So any income levels, net worths, anything like that people should be concerned about, or is it, it's more than just about the money. It's about direction and what's supposed to happen. It's, it's really about the direction. Um, because so, the upside of all those tools, we were talking about the downside of having all those options. The upside is, we can do whatever you need done. Like we're to that point, whatever you tell me, as long as it is legal, I can make you the documents that do that. So the only question is financially optimizing it. If you don't have a lot of money, there are cheaper options. If you do have, you know, a lot of money, which will probably also mean complexity, then there are ways that we can handle that complexity. Just lots and lots of mattresses. That's pretty simple. <laughs> just, just have to make sure that they, you know, yeah. that they don't fall into the wrong hands. Exactly. All right. So we know we have a lot of uh, crypto billionaires that have been created. Better believe it. Um, you have also become the the Henry County crypto expert for us. <laughs> um, is tulip mania over? What's what's going on in the uh, in the old world of crypto? Is it too late? Should we still be investing? Is it no different than than buying a uh, a euro or a dollar or a peso? What what should we know as of twenty twenty three? So I would call it too late. I would call it dead. But I think there's a really important caveat there. Like you can still there's still people making money and losing money on Beanie Babies. You know any any kind of collectible anything that people have sunk money into that still exists can still be traded. Right. Uh, I think uh, you had even said that you you had a couple of Doge coins that are yeah, more valuable like now. Five hundred Doge coins that are worth yeah, they're up at maybe God, I probably triple from the original price. Sure, but yep. What's the point? 
Well, right. and yeah, and that, that's kind of the thing is that they they're going to devalue over time because Dogecoin is one of the meme coins. There there is an infinite. Well, there can be an infinite number. There will always be more Dogecoins. Um, essentially, the, the biggest problem for crypto now. Well, the the two biggest problems. One of them is the hype is over as this bubble has kind of popped and as we've had more of these, like the reasons to buy and the people who are into it turning out to be uh, scams, essentially a lot of speculation, right? Yeah. As, as you get publicity, you get people that get interested just because they can create a profile for themselves off of it, create a platform, yep. dress fancy, be Instagram famous, uh, be an influencer, astroturfing. Maybe, maybe live in the Bahamas for a little while until you get your arrest. Yep, yep. Uh, so, astroturfing is a. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if that's specific to crypto or or if it has to do with other scams too. But essentially, creating fake grassroots movements, going out and uh, taking a bunch of. Uh, oh, it's there in politics. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Very well, much in politics. All right. I don't. I don't usually sway creating, into that field. Creating the appearance of of something that's not really real. Right. Exactly. Um, we still have plenty of that. Uh, actually, in preparation for this, I I got on YouTube and I just uh, I forget what the search was, but I I just did like a you know current crypto news, and I first video that came up was a guy saying all the exact same stuff that they that we were hearing uh, last Cinco de Mayo, just the same. Oh, this third world country is getting ready to adopt this as their national currency. Uh, oh, we've got, you know, some kind of big development. Somebody's, you know, Ethereum 2.0 is finally going to come out. We're only two or three years past the deadline for that. You, you know, more of the same kind of, of stuff. It, now, again, though, dead, doesn't mean that it's not still going to fluctuate. It, it still has a market, right? Yeah. It, but it'll it, still but, but it's no different than it, – it's a currency, right? So if you're looking and you're saying, okay, it's the U.S. dollar, the Mexican peso, the euro, the Japanese yen, they all have – they all change in value in relation to each other. So you're just simply judging a U.S. dollar versus an American – or versus a, versus a Dogecoin, right? Sure. And how many pennies is it worth at that one time? Yeah. And and they will probably. I mean, I guess several of them have dropped to nothing. So certainly they could all drop to nothing. Right. The odds are they won't. I mean, as long as anyone can convince anyone else to pick up that hot potato. Right. And and a lot of us. What what happened in in this tulip mania time, Zach? And you probably can comment on this too. Is that we. We nobody wanted to pay for anything with a with a crypto coin. Everybody just wanted to hold them as a speculative investment and say, "Well, I bought that Bitcoin at five hundred dollars. Now it's worth seventy thousand dollars, and I had forty of them. So here's all my money." So you're just you're not using it as a currency. You're using it as a speculative item that's going to go up in value, right. but you're not churning it as currency. Right. But you have no problem. You don't say, "I'm going to hold on to this dollar because it's going to be worth X amount in twenty years." <laughs> You're just you're holding onto that dollar just so that you can convert it into something else. Yes, and we've never done that with cryptocurrency. Functionally, the exact opposite of of a currency. Right, and we and there have been experiments with making stable coins. That's what the uh, the Lumen crash was. We had a coin that was pegged to the dollar using 
you know, some kind of algorithm that was supposed to keep it, keep it at that value. And it crashed more, you know, millions or billions, et cetera, were lost. Uh, you know, another thing that, that I think will actually hurt cryptocurrency is, uh, blockchain technology is finally finding some uses. Like, as it has stood, it's been a solution without a problem. And as a result, the only thing that it has solved is, so like Bitcoin's a good example. Bitcoin solves exactly one problem, and that is how can Bitcoin exist? Bitcoin can't be used to fix anything. It can't be used to program, et cetera. The, the Bitcoin is the first cryptocurrency, essentially, that was widely adopted, and it is independent of any government. Right. That's the that's the selling point behind cryptocurrency is that it's independent of any of these nations' currencies. Yes, so it's a not a third. It's a third party currency, essentially, not a third world, but a third party currency, right? Potentially for the third world. Well, they, we keep seeing that astroturf. There are constantly these these photographs of like people on computers, and it's like whatever Ethiopia is adopting Bitcoin. Get ready. You better buy some coins before all of these Ethiopians in this photograph, you meanwhile, know, just meanwhile, like the, the GDP of Ethiopia is like two Bitcoin. Right. Like at its peak, it was like they were literally like, how much you got the how depressing it would be like how much you got in the bank. I got one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, what was that number? We, we looked it up a minute ago. Sixty five percent of the earth has access to the Internet. I mean, this. Elon's working on that. Oh, well, yeah, he'll, he'll solve it. Bitcoin and Starlink for everybody. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, of, um, cryptocurrency scams, <laughs> all of Elon's pump and dump, uh, you know, with, with Dogecoin, like, the- hey man, that paid for Starlink. I don't know what <laughs> somebody had to be sacrificed so that we could have internet as we're roaming the world. Yes. Here's the fun thing is I didn't know. When he said Elon's pump and dump, I didn't, know, <laughs> I didn't know which company he was talking about because that's Elon's that's well, Elon's shtick. He's going to court right now for the uh, for the Tesla pump. And yeah, dump. I was gonna say, I was gonna say he's <laughs> he's very good at at a at stock pump and dump where yes. he's like goes in says a bunch of stuff and then quietly unloads like a billion <laughs> right? and he unloads. He doesn't like hey, I made a million bucks. It's like dude, I made a billion dollars. <laughs> like, well, and and. Unfortunately, I think that the lack of regulation in cryptocurrency is what has kind of resulted in this bubble popping. The bubble didn't pop because people got bored of cryptocurrency. It it popped because it becomes the wild west and emerging technologies and yeah. yada yada yada. Over and over we over and over people keep getting scammed and we have yeah. just as a culture, we we generally have cell phone companies are a perfect example. We have an emerging technology that nobody has access to, and then eventually we have 20 or 30 or 40 different solutions, mm-hmm. which ultimately – and the airlines are the same thing. And then eventually you end up mergers, failures, acquisitions where you get down to two, three, maybe four companies or, or technologies that are doing something. And then you get this oligarchy style system. And yes, you technically have choices, but they're these massive corporations or massive systems that have barriers to entry so that the institution grows and it is what it is. Yeah. That's what we've seen for generations. Yep. Well, and, and, and we're not there yet with cryptocurrency. We're not, we don't know, you know, 
it, at some point, if we get down to two or three, then you know it'll be Bitcoin and, and Ethereum or whatever. But we don't know what currencies are going to survive, if any, right? And which government, which which ones a government is going to support or choose to like? <laughs> this is true too. Blockchain technology, uh, to you know, distinct from cryptocurrency specifically, uh, actually is starting to find uh, some some actual applications. There's various like ticket holder services. Um, CRM, I think, uh, is using a lot of blockchain stuff. Uh, so that's blockchains are catching on, but not necessarily as currencies. Because ultimately blockchain is an accounting system. Yes. It's a way, it's a way to keep a ledger. Yep. All right. In a offsite third party secure, secure way. Exactly. All right. So that is our cryptocurrency update. Ta-da. Wasn't that hard. We learned something, Zach. Yep. Are you ready to buy anything? No. You don't have anything to sell either, do you? (laughs) No. (laughs) You're good to go. Me and my 500 Dogecoin are going to continue to ride it out because I don't want the tax consequences of selling what I have. Well, there's two things. One, two points I had was one I asked Bash last time he was on. I said, okay, am I explaining this right? That this is, it's completely built on faith of the people being able to market whatever. There's no actual like value to it if you don't determine. So that's the hard part to write my hand around. There's no value in a dollar. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, more so. I mean, the good, Bitcoin might be kind of proving, or rather, disproving the idea that the I mean, dollar yeah, the is do- only kept afloat by our imagination. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other part was is that, like, at the peak of like Bitcoin stuff, you had all these guys who were billionaires, except they couldn't remember the twenty four passwords to get into their their wallets. And one dude, I can't, I, I would love to have seen if there might be a follow up eventually. There was one guy who was one password attempt fail away, I think, from losing access to like a $300 million crypto wallet. The good news is now it's only worth like $4 million. Yeah, he's, 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 he <laughs> does not nearly as much of a loss. But those, those two things, as somebody, it's, it's so much better now. Yeah. Because like those two things, as somebody who can forget my password very easily. Yeah. What the guy needed to do is throw it in a trust and then make it his attorney's problem. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then it's on somebody like bash to figure it out. There we go. That's, that's not a bad idea. Not for me. Don't whoever you are. Don't call me. <laughs> don't put, hey, that kind put it, of, don't put put that it kind in the trust stress. and then make the attorney deal with it. <laughs> and then just walk away. Looks like the pilot from airplane trying to land with the sweat, just running off <laughs> yeah. his face. like a faucet. <laughs> Listen, if you are out there watching and you need a estate planning crypto attorney, Bash Kreider, Main Street, Newcastle, Indiana, 47362. If you want to be a pain, Esquire. if you want to be a pain, have him convert your entire estate into, <laughs> into crypto and then have your kids there's tell them that they've given you are all you the a, clues, but they have to guess the they have to guess the passwords to get their inheritance. Were you always looking for a way to be a burden upon your children? <laughs> turn, turn turn your inheritance into the worst escape room ever. Turn your inheritance into Betamax tapes yes. that they can convert fifty years later. Yes. All right. Now we've been we've been talking about things that aren't that important but now it's now it's getting ready to get real guys <sighs> henry county is going to get a brewery finally that's exciting it is uh it is called the uh the blue river tap house it i have a very terrible right arm i can barely throw a football but i could reach the blue river tap house from the boss hog studios <laughs> i could i could make it from here 
we're all excited and we get this this news that one of the so the, I don't know if you're familiar with the the wall network with the Weird Libertarians network. We've been around for about 12 years. And Chris Bengel, myself, uh, Brett Bittner, Chris Galt, all of the founding members of, of the Wall Network, we used to get together and we would hang out at Jesse Riddle, Black Acre Brewery on the east side of Indianapolis. Really? You'd hang out there. Oh, we, would go to, we would go to Black Acre Friday night, have a Liberty and Chill. That was a wall function. Uh, we, would, we would go have, have a good time, conversation, talk about what this network was going to turn into. Uh, this week, Black Acre said, we're throwing in the towel, it's over, we're done. Uh, and it got me thinking and looking, and it's not the only brewery. Uh, Black Acre, uh, Flat 12, which was the Hinchtown, Hammertown beer, yeah. that brewery is gone. Ellison Brewery, which is on the south side of Indianapolis, so that's gone. Brewdog, 18th Street, these are all breweries that have come and gone. And... There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of things going on. What what would you say is the reason why some of these are, are fading out and disappearing, Bash? Oh, that's a – that question is probably above my pay grade. But to to offer some speculation uh, – See, that was the attorney answer. He won't he won't come in as an authority yeah. here. Now now he's going to out, tap out on me. But let's speculate. Yes. But you let, know let's this is talk radio, right? Yeah, this is what we do. Yeah, it's it's in the job description. Should have invited, should have invited my brother. If anybody can speak, <laughs> oh, yeah. you, my if brother. I invited your brother, Rex Peckinpah would come through this yeah, door on, on, yeah, because problems. Dakota had scheduled him and we didn't know. He's a little quieter in the market now, but my brother, my brother for a while lived the epicenter of the the brewery world in Indianapolis. Oh, absolutely, um, and Josh Bat uh, yeah. is still in town, and and Chip Marsh, and oh yeah, yeah. So I think that's three Chip Marsh re- references in the last three weeks. Chip, at some point you're going to have to do the show. Ooh, we could do a beer tasting with Chip on here. Not in January. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to confirm something because yeah. Chip did come up and, and Bash is in a unique position to confirm. Chip Marsh is the same person now in terms of like he's like where that he was in elementary school. <laughs> was he not like a like he was the remember him kicking kickballs on the roof of the school? That's right. He was the big kid that was like uh, just physically dominant over everybody else in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and now he is the same. Yeah, he just he grew into exactly what people thought he might grow. That into. is hilarious and true. So <laughs> anyway, back to breweries. Sure. Well, there is a lot of competition, and it's an increasing amount. Um. I, it reminds me, I read a long time ago, back when, uh, you know, back when Three Floyds and Stone and Sam Adams were still like, you know, the craft breweries instead of, I mean, we kind of think of them almost as like. Those are the old time, big, big time, old time legacy. Yeah. Small, small uh-huh. uh, recipe, non, non Budweiser's of, of the beer world, right? Right. But and, they're standbys. But the, yes. And I remember reading an article then that was saying, uh, already it was saying, you know, craft beer is creating a crisis because only so much beer gets drunk. The market is not expanding. It's just changing. So Sam Adams is not inspiring more people to drink beer. They're just carving out that Budweiser uh, group, you know, and, and Stone is carving out, you know, some et cetera. So as you get more of these breweries, it just... I mean, simply becomes more difficult. 
Now, I do think that the beer community has evolved in a lot of different ways. Um, Chip and I, uh, and and sometimes Bat, Jared needs to, I got to get back in touch with Jared. Get a kid, man. Ruined him. Man. He used to be so much fun. All right. Well, (laughs) I guess that explains it. Um, I'm going to get a call tomorrow. (laughs) So we, we have a couple of our favorite breweries and we will order usually about a case per month from each one. Uh, because we, we, our taste is towards really specific beers and we know a lot of the breweries we like and we, and we seek them out in that way. Uh, you also have, um, you know, people who enjoy trying the different things and the atmosphere, like brew pub goers. Right. And I, I have to wonder to what degree that, that market in particular is getting oversaturated. Yeah. I, so my thoughts as I was putting this, putting the show notes together, which by the way, if you join Patreon at any level, you get uh, access to a super special Facebook group where you get, uh, where you get the show notes delivered to you. You join that Patreon group, you can see the show notes, find the links and the articles that uh, form the foundation of the show uh, and follow along with us as we're uh, as we're discussing. Uh, I think your oversaturation point is very fair. And in Henry County and downtown Newcastle, we have zero tap houses. We have zero breweries. But if you go to Indianapolis, you've got one on nearly every street corner. If you're downtown Indy, you've got five, six, seven, eight of them within walking distance of many locations. Or you did. Right. Um, you've got three in Muncie, maybe four in Muncie. There's one yeah, in the, Rushville. Rush, there's the, uh, yeah, there's a, Rushville has Fish ha, Moon, has Fish Moon, which is a brewery. I think they're a brewery, at least a tap house, but I think they're actually a brewery. They, yeah, they brew their brewery. Uh, Guardian is up in Muncie. You've got the Hurrah, which is an old school tap house. Right. Um, and you've got, uh, you know, you, you've got a lot of, a lot of places that carry craft beers or specialize in craft beers. And I don't think you necessarily have to be a brewery, but if you have access or you have that style, a nicer location that actually cares about what they're pouring, I think that's, that's what this community has been missing. I, oh, desperately, desperately. And, uh, you know, I, think- and that's not throwing any shade at, at Primo or anything else that's in town. Right. But it's just an, it's a different niche than, yes. and they're all complementary to each other. Right. Well, also, I mean, you need more than one or two places. You, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do think that the, the tap room or the tap house also kind of impedes some of the small breweries. This is a generalization, but I feel like there are, there are really two kinds of breweries. You have some of them like Gugman House in Indy. It's probably my favorite local brewery. Uh, they have a couple of dark beers that are incredible. And then most of what they do are extremely hoppy, extremely hazy IPAs and milkshake IPAs. They're incredible. A lot of people, if you're not into IPAs and yeah, you went, IPAs, you tasted IPAs everything. are a niche thing that people either love them or they hate them. Exactly. Yeah. And as a result, Guggenhaus House has a tremendous following. There's probably lots of people who hate it too, yeah. but, but they, it has they, a they, tremendous they found following. Their core customer base. Yes. And those people can't, you, you can't go anywhere else and get a Guggenhaus. House. Well, unless Guggenhaus House is still selling that beer. Right. The other kind of local brewery that I see very often is the the like the five styles thing, 
We got an Irish red. It tastes just like Killian's. We got a brown ale. It tastes just like Newcastle. So there's nothing that's special other than it being, unless, unless your hook is, this was sourced locally. We didn't bring it over from England. Right. This is from right here in Indiana. Right. There's no hook to it. I'm not a fan of that, but uh, th- there's a huge value in that. And actually, just today, I was talking to somebody who, who was like, that's my favorite thing. You know, I, I love it when, when I sit down and I, I like the whole flight. And I always, every time I like the whole flight, I know that, you know, some other craft beer person would hate this whole place. Or, right. yeah, or they go into a place and they say, I like this. And they ramble off their favorite national brand beer. And like, right. oh, yeah, we, this is what we have that's similar to that. Exactly. So I think I think there's huge value in that, even though, like I said, I'm more into the, the niche beers. Like like I said, Chip and I, we, we know where we like our IPAs from and we order them. But uh, if if you are trying to explore, then you know that that's a great thing it's great that there are so many different kinds of beer but that means that you are directly competing with every single tap house and if you're competing with every tap house you're competing with three floyds stone gugman house burial uh, you know etc um and i think that's just hard to do and i think two other two other points that i've that i've seen is that you have especially in indianapolis commercial real estate has increased significantly since 2020, right? So you didn't have people showing up in person and gathering and they, a lot of these businesses were shut down or nearly shut down completely to the point where it was no fun to go. And then the rent, say, say you had a facility, you made a paid $3,000 a month to have your facility. And then all of a sudden it costs $10,000 a month for that property. So yeah. it's, it's harder to function and you can only have so many butts and seats to drink beer in person. Right. And some of these companies have not created a distribution model of putting things in cans and bottles and kegs to get it off of their campus or to get it out somewhere. Right. So if you're not what I've been drinking tonight, these random things that you've never heard of before, but they're, you know, I've spilled beer on my cape. But Anderson Valley Brewing has a a Barney Flats oatmeal stout that I'm sure I probably bought in Cincinnati <laughs> at... Uh, um. At Jungle Gyms and drug back. And I'm going to try to be careful about this one because it's still got something in it. But the wild Ohio blueberry beer that I'm having, these weird random ass things that you get into, they're, um, it, it, if somebody like Flat 12 doesn't can it, doesn't bottle it, doesn't get it out into the market for people to discover it and to find it, you're in trouble. Yeah. But even they were though, and they still are around because you go into Kroger. Around, you could at least go to the Speedway Kroger during the month of May, and they had Hinchtown Hammerdown canned up. But yeah, and maybe maybe Flat Twelve is not the best example. Yeah, but some but of those places, but, yeah. You know, it, I can tell you that I have never seen anything from Blackacre outside of their facility. Uh, maybe maybe there'd be a guest tap somewhere, but I, I couldn't tell you what a can of something I'll, from Blackacre looked like. And I'll everybody, if you listen to the show enough, you know I don't drink, so I'm not the best person to comment on this. But from my perspective of being around, it's also Almost every time one of those places opens, it's not on organic. We moved to town and we're going to open this up. It's so, it's brewer guy or whatever guy from this brewery is now starting his own brewery. And guess what? He's going to take a certain amount of his old brewery's business with him. And so each time one of those is created, they're not usually just organically out of nothing. They're partially cannibalizing a former employer. Like even the tap houses, you mentioned the Herat and then in Muncie. 
one of their bartenders left and then started Savage's Ale House. And I know that my brother and all of his buddies all followed him from one to the other. And so in that regard, they literally are fracturing, fracturing their customer base. And a lot of times it's this one guy or two guys that'll go off and they'll start their own thing and they'll take some people with them from the old one. So the old one loses a little business and then they're, they have a little core group, but then they have to develop their own, but they literally are at times like cannibalizing themselves. Gerrymandering this this little <laughs> yeah, yeah. group. Of, uh, was, I remember like when the ale house opened, it was like all, all my friends were Herat guys, and then they all went to Savage Ale House because that guy was a bartender at the Herat, and something was going on there. And almost never are those kinds of moves uh, happy moves. Like, yeah, man, you're it's so and so's kind of, uh, and they move off and they're grumpy, and so they'll they will kind of like you know drop a little nuke in the old place on the way out the door. Right. And, Kind of blow it up a little bit, so that happens too, I think. Well, then you get these these so and so whatever podcaster says we're going to do dry January, and everybody follows them along. Yeah, also, and even further cratering the. Uh, I did the, not realize that this was like a thing. Oh yeah, I oh, just yeah. Like, oh yeah. Sean Brown, I used to just one month out of every year we would just not drink, oh. and oh, then turn, yeah. he was like, it, I, we used to do it in February because it was the shortest month. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then at one point he was like, let's do, Super Bowl. let's do January. Well, the, it was an exception day for the Super Bowl <laughs> and an exception day for Valentine's Day. It was a pathetic dry month, <laughs> to be honest. But <laughs> had two holidays in the first two weeks. <laughs> but then we then the, the, that second the half of years, January or February this real dry though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of, that's kind of when you need it. Like we're in that rough stretch where hey, everybody, the next holiday is like Easter. <laughs> Yeah. It, but I think it's also, it's a fickle, trendy group. I think like a lot of people are just going to whatever is the next new thing, the next new thing, the next new thing. And eventually if you're like an OG brewery, you're now the 15th or or now actually probably you're the 150th oldest brewery in Indianapolis, even though you're only been around for 15 or 20 years. Okay. These are all storm clouds for the brewery industry, but it's in places that are overserved that have a market that's saturated. Yeah. Oh, I think this place is going to thrive. If in you look here, we have a community. Rushville had a brewery, right? Mm-hmm. At Newcastle is, I swear to God, the largest community in the state of Indiana that doesn't have a brewery. Right. And we're finally, this is going to be advertised as a tap house, but in the basement, they will have a brewery and they will be brewing beer here. Yep. What do you think this complements the community and other opportunities that dovetail this in to continue to to improve Henry County. I think it absolutely does. Uh, I mean, I think so when you're doing that, like that five styles thing, you know, uh, where you're not, you're not trying to like reinvent one type of beer and just keep hammering that, you know, that, that particular niche, uh, what you're doing is you are selling an experience. You're specifically not going to be making anyone's favorite beer because your, your beer is, you know, is simply indicative of a style. But the fact that people can come in and get any of those means that they probably will. Another nice thing about like tap houses, if you're making most of your money uh, off of your alcohol, you have a good profit margin, which means that you can like hire, even if he doesn't like work there full time, you can have a chef design your menu. And that's something that I find to be a lot of fun about going to uh, a lot of breweries and, and brew pubs that, uh, you know, even if I don't 
even if I'm not in love with the beer is like gourmet burgers. It's a cool place to go for some food as well. Yeah. And by law in Indiana, we have to have food available in some fashion anywhere they're serving beer. We have like a killer like pretzel or like cheat, like like loaded fries, whatever. Just people want to go in, have a beer, have some like killer bar food, like a step up bar food. Then even me, you'll get me in there buying a root beer and then just, yeah, some for some and go in there, chill, like have beer be in and out pretty quick. You're not having a full meal. Maybe you go do that and then you go mosey down to Primo or very often they'll have trivia. They'll have reasons to make to make the place yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, now, in the in the show notes, there is a a, a story from Grow and Henry, the Henry County Economic Development Corporation, uh, telling telling the story here a little bit about the uh, about the brew house. And I'm searching for the story here where they discuss the food that they were going to be offering because they are not going to be a full menu. They're going to have a limited menu, probably the state minimum menu uh, as they're as they're getting off uh, off the ground. But they are intending to work with some other facilities around the community and and support them. So carry out delivery options where food from Primo could be brought in, et cetera. Uh, Kai's Creations, some other some other local food establishments and their food can find its way down to them. Beer brings people is, together. Which is what we've seen a lot down at the Wooden Bear in Greenfield, another landmark facility. Um, I swear I've been there over the last 10 years a number of different times and they've reinvented their food a number of times. Where they Right now it's Greek pizza. Greek's pizza. Previously they'd show up and you'd sit down at a table and there'd be five or six different menus with, with options from things and they would deliver food to you from any, any downtown business. Cool. Um, so lots of different ways that these, these can happen. So what else do we need to do, Bash? We, we we need we need to get this tap house open, and then people need to uh, need to be able to move somewhere. We need we need more apartments. Apartments, yes. Now there are townhouses. I saw today. You can throw your lawnmower away. About four hundred grand will buy you a twenty one hundred square foot, two bedroom, two bath condo in Knightstown. Okay, brand newly built. Four hundred grand. Four hundred grand. Four hundred grand. That'll buy you one side of the two it's townhouse. There's, I mean, eight hundred for the whole place. Wow. But you can throw your mower away, and you don't need to shovel. I mean, that's or worry about I any mean, exterior maintenance. That is pleasant. I just need to be like an elven warrior, and I'll get my money back eventually <laughs> when I turn six hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, in in finding my apartment, uh, that that was a really frustrating experience. Because you're you're still a millennial. You and I are among in Zach are among the world's oldest millennials. Yep. So you want that downtown lifestyle. Yep. A while back I sold my house. Um and uh yeah, so Haley and I were looking for an apartment and we have a number of nice apartment facilities and apartment offerings. They are all low income. And then beyond that there's Jamestown and, and that's it. Yeah. There's there's also the one behind Marsh, which is a similar aesthetic to Jamestown, and I am not You're showing your age. Yeah, yeah, Marsh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been Martian like fifteen years. Oh, tell me, man. yeah, tell me, did you buy your eagle down at Goodwin? <laughs> <laughs> so, which which is that's not a slight. Against Jamestown. Or your Oldsmobile at Castle Chevrolet? What did you do? <laughs> well, we had gotten out of a movie at the Castle Theater, <laughs> and we were looking walked for an apartment. Walked across the street and on the payphone across the street. <laughs> yes. 
Call, call it around. <laughs> oh, cost, re- a, cost a nickel to make that call, you know. Oh, man, I remember that payphone. <laughs> okay. All right. Back. That's like a core memory because any, any kid that grew up in Newcastle, yeah. you, that's how you, had, you had to walk across there to call your parents after a movie. But, yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's a struggle with apartment builders to build an apartment complex and then not almost immediately to get by have to turn into like accepting vouchers for like low income housing. You get some grants. The the mess that happened to our poor Jennings building. Like that's that's kind that, of that, that kill it. that's that's the building that's got potential to turn into a nice place if Oh, have properly. you seen those apartments? They're gorgeous. I mean, they're like I I would pay $1000 a month. So paint uh, paint the picture for us. So why why is it a struggle? Why are the Jennings buildings apartments not available? What's, but what's they're the not problem available here? because they're low income. Which we I mean, we do need a number of low income apartments. We don't need every single apartment. Please that's continue available bragging about how you're a wealthy lawyer. <laughs> the I mean, we almost got into one, but it we failed at the last minute. Right. I I'm 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 just giving you hell. So what you're saying is that there are not market based uh apartments available for rent downtown. Right. Or of any note. Right. I mean, like there, there might be one. We were so lucky to find one actually. Like, I mean, it was, Oh, it it was a nightmare. Like one of the worst weeks of our whole relationship. Like we were both so stressed and frustrated and we were getting ready to go spend, uh, you know, a mortgage payment per month to live between, you know, a doctor and a drug dealer because there's only one place for all of us to live. Yep. And, uh, and those truck dealers make too much money as well. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then we actually, uh, they were redoing the carpet in my apartment. So I stepped out of my office and I saw, <laughs> I saw the, the carpenters in there and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and, and we barely got in, but, but that shouldn't be how it works. I mean, it, it shouldn't be some incredible stroke of luck that you find an apartment. Anyway, uh, the point being, it's really hard to attract young people and new professionals to this town if you, they're simply given the ultimatum of like, you have buy to, a house. You have to live in Jamestown Village Apartments. Yes. Or you need to buy a house today. Yep. Either, either or, or you need to commute from Muncie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely commit. Like, <laughs> just buy in or for about the same price as most mortgages in this town, you can stay in this I don't know how old that place is. I mean, it, I, I'm going to be honest. It was my first apartment. Yep. I mean, I find. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's I, hard to find anybody that hasn't lived I, there. I've lived there for a while too. Yep. It, yeah, we all have. We've all had Colonial Drive addresses. Uh huh. And and it's good that we have that option. Again, I'm not saying you know tear down Jamestown, but I am saying that it would really be nice if if we had some other options. So somebody, somebody build one. Like, I know you won't get the grants up front, but like people will come pay that. And that'll also help the other businesses. Like, I think that is a, it's a frustrating aspect for some of the downtown people that we have this huge, gorgeous apartment complex specifically filled with people who have on paper proven that they cannot go downstairs and give money to the businesses, which is not is not completing the cycle that it was envisioned for. Exactly. Which is which is several problems. Like we we do need to be helping 
people to not be in situations where they have to have special housing, but we also, you know. But we, you, ultimately what happens is you invent, incentivize people to not go make more money because then they'll have to move, right? Well, that, that is one of the things that happened is like Haley would have qualified at that time for the low income and I would not. And we were kind of forced into this like, do we lie? I mean, we could just not, yeah. like not give my name and then – because a lot of those low income apartments are nice. They're nicer than no offense, Jamestown. <laughs> I, I, is Jamestown even locally owned? Not anymore. No, okay. No. All right. No, Screw they're, you, they're, Jamestown. They're third party. Yeah. Okay. So, then the, yeah. So from somebody who's never rented, yeah. I'm like a weirdo. <laughs> so when, well, tell me more so about one, your four vehicle lifestyle, Mister yeah. Bertram. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I got. I drove three of the four this week. Um, so when a when a complex. Obviously, goes into you know, goes into low income like that's that are is that the only people they can serve then? So they can't like a normal like you can't come in and say I'll pay whatever rate for this apartment. Are they pigeonholed then into only renting to that? Correct. To, okay. Yeah. So once they go, it's just that that complex is just kind of off the right because they get some favors in order to do it. So it it makes sense that they can't you know, take the government grant. Okay. We're going to use this to help people. Oh, you've got cash. Get in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, then with the bummer, I know somebody that lives in, in the Jennings building and they complain because the building parts of the building aren't treated very well by the people that live there because it's not everybody. Right. But like she came out one day and she needs to use the elevator to get up and down and somebody just punched a hole through the, the button. And so it took them a little while to get fixed or whatever. So then like, I would think that if you, then if you can rent and get the market rate, then those people are going to be treating the place better, potentially, than an apartment full of people. There's always people that are entitled if they sure. think they're paying for it or whatever. But I wonder, too, just like you go down downtown. And I was triggered by a post on Facebook where somebody said everybody talks about that their key thing for their downtown is for Midwest downtown is their historic downtown. <laughs> and it showed a picture of the downtown street and it looked like every every down like they all look kind of the same and i was like this is triggering and i posted a picture i had taken of like our downtown street and i was like all of the buildings i wonder what's on the second floor what's on the third floor some of them have third floors a lot of them second floors and what, I, what I our downtown has though is it does not have a tremendous number of empty storefronts no you know we're, we're right. as of recently yeah, we're, we, we're doing a great job yeah and the tap house is filling one of the few kind of holes but it was a nice building it's being redone there's another building that's being the upstairs is being redone the one that's throwing the mural on the side and when they cut when they uncovered those windows i was like oh that's a killer space too that, that's a that upstairs would be a killer space i thought man if there's the only thing i know that people the historical uh, committee downtown would eat me alive for saying this but if there's a way they could throw little balconies on some of those upstairs buildings and stuff to kind of overlook downtown those apartments would if you could turn those into apartments it would be killer there is a push right now, and I'm I'm not sure which group it. I don't know if it's the Main Street Project, uh, but I do know it could be the EDC. Regardless, I do know that there is a push to start uh, renovating the second stories in in a lot of those buildings and try to open up some good downtown apartments. But you're saying, as somebody that has been in this market, that there is once again a need. Oh, just, just like we've seen the need for single family housing, there is a massive need for yep. young adult housing that doesn't require you to have limited income, so to speak. Exactly. 
And I, I'll say also, I was in a u- unique position because I grew up in Newcastle and Haley didn't. So she is not. Did she, did she keep finding, I'm going to piss Zach off. Did she keep finding houses that look cool that were on streets that had just letters for the names? <laughs> and then you said, oh no. Ouch. No, <laughs> no, it, it had to, it had to do. <laughs> I like my little lettered streak. <laughs> Amazing. I, see, this is the con- this is the shit you can do in this town. Is that you can just poke little tiny hair, little. For the longest time, we always joked that we just oh, broadcast from somewhere north of Q. Yeah, and he's, and he's looking down at me from his house on Caucasian Acres. Or- <laughs> Occasion estates, I call. There's also a thing, even with hey, the house. Hey, man, we got a new road. Okay? With the house, <laughs> you can no wait. You got enough road to see from Main Street. They once paved. You, once you get out of the out of the side, they stopped. successfully <laughs> paved enough for me to be able to, no, not, to have they to ride paved drive just on the old past pavement. Jeremiah's. They took his mailbox uh, that is, out. That is what six years of podcasting will accomplish they took for his, you. you know, I'll tell you what. Nothing. <laughs> one of the little perks of small town life is seeing a weird thing like that happen, and. In some cases, you know exactly why it happened and who it ha- like. Like we've had Joe Wiley on the show one year. They they paved the kind of road that the Moreland Five K was on, just to the point where the Five K turnaround was. And I was like, "Thanks, Joe." And, I was, <laughs> and it was a literal, "Thanks, Joe." But, but yeah, the, but the, in the even in the housing market, there was this. We had this donut situation, and this is going to be talking pre-COVID numbers because post-COVID numbers make my head hurt. But where it was really easy to find a house in Newcastle four years ago under $100,000, which I know in some people in the market would blow their mind. Not crappy houses, like nice little houses. It's like 50s. This is a very 50s town kind of. But then all of a sudden the housing market jumped from like 85000 to 250000 and there's literally nothing in between. Like now it's kind of the Markets up to about 120, 130. There is, there is and a spectacular, jumps to 250, 300. There's a spectacular looking home that is two doors down from the studio. I look today, $140,000. Beautiful floors. Probably needs a kitchen update, but you could live with it. Five bedrooms, two baths, garage, downtown living, 140 grand. It's, yeah. Nice. And the market has shifted up a little bit. And so that's why I was kind of talking a couple of years ago. Yeah. There's just, we had this kind of crazy housing situation in general where and apartments would help that situation. Apartments can kind of fill in that middle ground too. buy or don't live here is an even rougher ask as the, as the market improves. Well, and something that, that I was discovering as Haley and I were looking because, you know, for me, I, Newcastle's just in my blood. It was incredibly disheartening. Have you tried to leave? I have. <laughs> I, I went all the way to New York for college, and I spent half of every barbecue year in Florida. And uh, I, I came back. And here you are. Here I am. Like a moth to a flame. Like a moth to a flame. All right. I interrupted. No, that's all right. Um, it was very disheartening for her, and it sent, I think, a, a very unfortunate message to her that regardless of the quality of the one option, why is there only one option? Just nobody, you don't, you don't even need to tell me what it is, what sucks, but something must suck about this place. Like we, we don't need more than one apartment complex. And it only had like one opening at the time anyway. Right. So it's like, there's only Jamestown. We can't even get into Jamestown. You have a limited number of people that are willing to invest or put the risk in. 
And I, you know, thankful for Mike, Patty, and Scott for turning this building around and investing oh, in downtown. They're absolutely uh, in creating a spot for this podcast to exist in downtown Newcastle. But there aren't a lot of people. There's a handful, but there are not a lot of people that are willing to put the effort in that they do to invest in the community to create that. Right. And it comes with real financial risk. You know, you you go out and you buy a building that uh, might be okay, probably going to be okay. We hope it's okay. God, hope we're it's praying okay. it's okay. Hope it doesn't need too much uh, to get it turned around so that you can rent it to a podcast that's going to sit there for four or five years and, and you know, <laughs> and churn out one apartment upstairs. Um, but it's now a productive building in the community. Um you know, it takes a special person that's willing to do that and that doesn't – you have to find somebody that's willing to invest in buildings like that versus saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to go invest in my crypto and triple my money this this <laughs> this quarter. I don't want to play the long game here. The right. hell with my local town. Right. I'm going to buy me some Tesla stock and we're going to go to the moon. Yep. That's the, that's what those are competing against. That's true. Or, or just grab up the grants to make another – uh, another low income area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's very true. Well, Hey, if you're thinking about it here, here is at least one testimony that we desperately need more apartments. If you're, if you are trying to decide, should I build an apartment complex? <laughs> do it. Just do it. Please do it. High rise downtown apartment complex. Yeah. Make it near the new brew pub. Yeah. Downtown. Downtown. Don't we don't want suburbia. You want walkable. Yeah. Pack them in tight. Yeah. We've got a coffee shop down here now. You know, one of the most pub. magical things about those um the Jennings building apartments uh is the view from the windows. Like it looks like like a downtown area. Yeah, like a sweet downtown area. It it really felt you can see the Christmas tree. Yeah. I the, felt my like sense of pride in Newcastle swell when I was in there looking out those windows and it was like you know, and then they put the velvet ropes up and said, "No, sir. Yeah, no, sir. Get back, get back in your Range Rover. You can't well, stay yeah. here. We saw you sit down. Your wall is too thick. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bummer. Like I, I don't like said. I'm, I never plan on going anywhere, and so I live in a house a quarter mile from where I grew up. But it's, I didn't realize that when those apartment complexes kind of switched to that, then all of a sudden they're just locked out. And we do have like apartment complexes have gone up, or at least there's one couple blocks from my house that went up and it's nice but i think that and he kind of got attacked for they wanted to do an expansion but like they build it and i think they try for a minute and then they just say okay never mind and they just switch to whatever it's called and then they they're kind of gone to that they they go to the subsidized model and then it's done hey, you guys want some happy news yeah so gala taylor is a uh, boss hog alum she's uh she's been a patron for the show uh and i've i've watched this story uh, go from my local news feed to national news in the last three days. Are you guys familiar with Gayla Taylor and her grandchild's dog? I've not heard of this story. No. Okay. So her her uh, her son, the daughter, the daughter and the son-in-law, or whatever the two two of her kids, and then her grandchild moving cross country, hauling their U-Haul, uh, autistic eight-year-old son in the back seat, and their family dog, their therapy dog. They're going from California to Indiana. Uh, Dog goes missing. Like gets out of the car. They went stopped. Check the check under the hood. Dog disappears in, in uh, New Mexico. Oh no! Can't find the dog anywhere. They they have to press on. So they left the dog behind. So kids kids crying, sad, horrible situation. Gala takes it upon herself. Makes all kinds of Facebook posts. Figures out where they were. 
starts posting in 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 community of uh, New Mexico. Uh, dog shows up yesterday or the day before, hundred miles, hundred miles from where they were, ends up in a shelter. And she had called. For, then they're trying to figure out how to get the dog back because they've made it to Indiana at this point. Uh, Fox fifty nine finds out about the story, and now Fox National News has got it, and it's being it, it picked up by Fox fifty nine, which is like Sinclair Broadcasting, which is owns about seventy five TV stations across the country. So the story has been all over North America today, uh. Uh, and that they moved to Anderson, but it's uh, it's Gala's grandson, and he's getting his dog back. That's incredible. So it is coming back. There's a GoFundMe. They're paying. Uh, they're paying for the transport. The dog went to a dog spa today and got all got its nails done <laughs> and got all done up. So that this transport driver could pick up, pick the dog up and come back uh, back home to Indiana. Oh, that's lovely. So a nice story, Zachary. Yeah, everybody likes a good reunion, and it's in the Boss Hog family because Gala's uh, Gala's an alumni. Especially a dog who doesn't want to see a happy dog. That's it. That's perfect. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, all right, final thoughts, Zachary Bertram. You got anything for me? No, I'll share an embarrassing story I was telling before the show. Is I went to Subway today, and uh, I sat at the drive-through like an idiot. Don't they have an app for that? Uh, I was, yes. I normally would order with the app. I'm very pro app. Um, I was presented with a gift card for my wife, who is the holder of all the Christmas gift cards, moments before and told, here, you can go use this to get yourself some lunch. So otherwise, I would have ordered. She permitted you to have lunch outside I, the I house. Was, I, yeah. where the, I took her to her doctor's appointment today. Ash, this is what marriage is, okay? There we go. She Sometimes keeps, you get permission to go to she Subway. Keeps, she keeps the gift cards <laughs> from Christmas. And it was still, it was a Christmas gift card. She's like, hey, here. So normally I would have done that. So I pull up to the drive-thru, and it turns out it is a touchscreen kiosk at the drive-thru. No walkie. And they covered up the part that says touch here to begin with a sign about something that I don't care about. So I sat there staring at it for like a couple of minutes. Start yelling at it. Hello. There was, well, there's a button to Hello? press for Are the assistance. Are behind you honking yet? Not, no, luckily, no. Because I was a little bit early. It was like 11.15, 11.20 or something like that. So what, by the time one car pulled up, I figured out what was going on. And then it took me three minutes to find the sandwich I wanted down there. And I still got the wrong one. But I felt <laughs> like just like... Andrew this, Bowman would tell you this because nobody wants to work The stereotypical anymore. like people. Yeah. I, I want to remind... Every time he says that, I'm like, nobody wants to work for you, Bowman. Um <laughs> But I was like, man, I feel like such like the stereotypical boomer. I just sat here staring at this thing. I do wonder though, in a good like rainstorm, how well does that touchscreen work? Because yeah, really. I know my phone gets a drop it on it. How long did you talk to it before you? I didn't. I was talking to my wife. I didn't say. I was just waiting for him to say something. And then, like <laughs> said, but there's they stuck a sign over about some coupons not applying to something over the top of this where it says. Oh. I was like, and I dealt with. I find the kiosks like unsettling at times. Sometimes I don't mind like McDonald's once in a while. Do you have to swipe your card at the kiosk? No, or you go up there and the pay window? like normal. But like, I know we have a, a steak and shake and they've gone to the kiosk model and it's creepy in our, I find our steak and shake creepy because you walk in, there's no hustle and bustle. It's just walk up to the screen, <laughs> silently order. And it used to be kind of like a cool, you think of like a fifties diner place, but yeah, I felt like an old person. I'm like, I feel like old because of that. My neck hurt for like, I had like a Charlie horse in my neck from yawning last week. And what was the other <laughs> thing I said that made me feel old? I can't remember. I posted something on Facebook about these things. These things made me feel old today. So other than that, no, it's cold. My kids are going to be hanging around until 10 o'clock in the morning tomorrow because it's a two hour delay. Again. Another two hour delay? Another two hour delay. These kids are soft. I mean, I would argue, but I get up and run in the morning in the conditions in which they can't walk and drive to school. I don't, I don't know if it's, a, who knows what it's for, but you haven't missed a day yet this year. Have you? No, I just looked, I think I'm at 
391 days or something in a row. No, so I missed a day this year. All right. Final thoughts, Mr. Bash Kreider. I, if nothing else, you need to promote yourself. If somebody wants to come at, get in contact with you. Sure. And they want, they would like some legal assistance. Sebastian Kreider. Uh, my firm is Hayes Copenhaver Kreider Harvey. Uh, we are Caddy Corner from the Castle Theater, uh, white building with blue awnings and a brick front. Uh, we and do, many, many old law books. Yeah, and and many he, old. And if he doesn't books. answer, just start yelling and throwing pebbles at yeah. a nearby window, and you'll eventually get to. Uh, I live next door, so yeah, <laughs> you just make a bunch of noise, and I'll I'll come out one way or another. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we do uh, we do estates and adjacent things like adoptions, deeds, etc. Very good. Uh, in, uh, in sports news, this is the little part of the show where I get to talk about sports. Even though Dakota had nothing to do with programming today, I'm throwing it in the final thoughts. The uh, the game of musical chairs is happening in the NFL for head coaches. Frank Reich got a job today with the Carolina Panthers. I hope he does well. He's he's moving to Carolina. Like, watch him do well when he actually has a GM that can build a team. Dan Quinn has removed himself from consideration. He was one of the Colts finalists, and he says, nope, you know what? The hell with this. I'm staying with Dallas. So he's he's out of the game. Uh, the musical chairs are ending, and all of these coaches are saying they're staying with their team, which is going to lead to what, Zach? Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday keeping the job. They've interviewed 13 people. Two of them have already said, no, thanks. I don't want the job. They're down to 11. They had announced a list of finalists, and Jeff Saturday's on that list. There's a petition of people that don't want it to be Jeff Saturday. There's about 1,500 people as of yesterday that had signed the petition that said, absolutely, hell no, please not Jeff Saturday. <laughs> don't let him be our Poor head coach. Poor guy. Just nice guy. One in seven. It was, yeah, give him a, yeah, get rid of the GM. Finish I don't, fly, I haven't watched any NFL all year. Get rid of the GM. He He's too arrogant. <laughs> he's really arrogant for a guy who's built a really crappy team. <laughs> like, Zach, what do you think about, uh, you got predictions for this weekend? The, uh, the world of motor racing, top end. High-level North American oh, auto Rolex racing Rolex is 24. back in the Rolex 24 Yeah, at Daytona, the first of the speed weeks. Um, no, and I didn't pay that much attention to the roar. I did see that uh, Shanks on the pole. I was kind of surprised it wasn't Elio behind the wheel, because I know he, but he's not their full-time guy anymore. So he's normally kind of their qualifications guy. It, I'm going to listen to what I've heard. Uh, I think the Hinch and Rossi guys talk about where it might be like a GP2 or a GT car. Because of the fact that the the I'll call them LMP one. That's the wrong name. Um, the top end prototype, top end car. prototypes. Yeah, the custom. World all, they're prototype. all brand new, brand new drivetrains, brand new cars, and they're gonna maybe they, not break, break, but they're these gonna cars have run problems. on batteries and combustion fuels. It's the first time they've ever had hybrids running. They sound awesome. But if somebody wants to see something cool, and this is not new to racing. Uh, the LMP cars in uh, Le Mans were doing this a couple years ago, specifically in the Toyotas were. You want to hear something that's kind of cool? Listen to a race car fire up on hybrid power, on elect full electric, and then it does that weird, sounds like a sewing machine on steroids, and then about 100 yards down the road, the engine fires, and it fires at like full throttle, and it sounds awesome because it sounds like you're a creaky door to hell opening up, and then it just <laughs> fires. It's awesome. Kevin Lee, formerly of WMDH, sports director at WMDH, now NBC Sports, uh, said on his radio show that he's he will be he's a pit reporter for this race, and because there are 80 cars in the race, he cannot stand behind pit wall because it is wall to wall of pit stands. So the only way he can do his job and know what the hell is going on, he has to be across pit road, which is unnerving enough, 
but he said for that first 10 seconds when the cars are on coming in, you cannot hear them. So he said with his headphones on, he can't hear a car coming. Yeah. So he's very concerned he's going to get run over by a race car because it doesn't have that normal throaty growl that they're supposed to have. They need to give him like the Jetsons. I mean, he still wouldn't hear that over headphones, but yeah, like street cars, they make them make a sound. They have to play sounds. So some of them's like Jetsons cars and stuff just so (laughs) to hear people so pedestrians can hear them. But, but yeah, I'm going to find a way to sit on the couch for as much as I can for the weekend just to watch that. That's especially the night stuff. So I'll hope an IndyCar driver wins something. So I'll hope, I'll hope the bus bros pull down. They they are in the the second class, but But, but the the class ahead of them is fraught with issues. Yeah. Those are all brand new cars in the top class. And so it's a good chance that while some of them might finish, they might spend a lot of time being in, in the a lot of time in the shop because everybody knows you never buy the first new year of a model change. There's a lot of recalls, and so yeah, they might have some problems. So one of those teams might be able to win it. So going to be going to be fun. I'm to hoping watch. for an entertaining race. Truly appointment viewing. I think the race starts and stops on Big NBC. There's a little bit on U, on uh, USA, but it's if, you have, a, on if you have a Peacock, roll it on Peacock. All just, weekend. just turn on Peacock and enjoy it. So with that, we say thank you guys very much. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, Dakota Davis successfully delivered a baby tonight. Uh, We will see you guys next Thursday.